G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Talk, big opinions, the panel. Well, we've uh, got the height and the experience of uh, Dave Worsley this morning uh, on the panel, and then we've got Guy Havel. So uh, we've mixed it up a wee bit, so that'll be uh, very interesting indeed. Guy, we'll we'll start with you uh, to begin with. Uh, Black Caps, uh, what did you make of it? Was it a wonderful survival or an opportunity gone begging? Yeah, morning, Smithy. Morning, Dave. Morning, everyone. Uh, just just before I get into that, I did hear your cheeky bit of Tuesday niggle about me standing on the bench, Smithy, which is uh, completely fair enough. Good to see you're on form early in the week. Uh, look, um, I, I I thought in the end it was a it was a very good result for the Black Caps, a good graft to get the draw. Look, I. I I'm slightly disappointed that uh, it had to come to that in the sense that when they were, what, one or two down, needing about 180-odd, I think it was, with, with about two sessions to go, I thought they were a real chance of getting that. Uh, obviously, on Indian conditions, it's spinning a lot. You've got uh, uh, Ravi Ashwin and, and, and Jadeja, um, you know, causing a bit of trouble. It, it always adds an element to it, but, but you know, that was... I, I did feel like at the time... But that was a great opportunity for New Zealand to pull off what would have been a, a very, very famous win. They lost a couple of wickets, and I think that's when, um, you know, certainly I and obviously the team as well, maybe were resigned to the fact that a draw was the best result, and then they lost a few more wickets, and it really became trying to hold on for that draw. So, so after that, after they lost those couple of early wickets, um, uh, I, well, early wickets in the second session, I should say, uh, that was when a, a draw was, was the best result. And so, you know, taking all of that in, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty happy again with the way that this team has gone about things. Uh, you know, if you had said to me before that game that it would have gone down to the fifth day and they would have pulled off a draw, uh, I would have taken that. Uh, this is another, another top result. And, and I think Simon Bill made a, a good point in commentary, actually, that uh, looking at the overall view of things in the World Test Championship, if you go to India and get a drawn series, uh, that's a tick in the right box, I think. So, yeah, if, if, we take a, if we take a step back and look at it overall, uh, I would say a bit of a positive. Dave, uh, what was your take on uh, what you possibly saw yesterday? Yeah, what I saw was, uh, I, I guess I look at an international match or anybody playing any sport, it's your first objective is to win. Your second objective is to not lose. Your third objective is to lose but annoy your opposition. So I think we achieved the middle ground there, and uh, I think we can be satisfied with that result. But it feels like one of your high school exams, unsatisfied, but you managed to actually get through it. Mm. Yeah, I I think that's a fair point, actually. It's a pass, Mark. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Dave. It's a pass, Mark. Yeah, it's a pass, but But, but it's... Are we only saying it's a pass mark because we've um, come to expect so much of this Black Caps team now because of, of what they have achieved in the last few years? You know, I think going to India for any team uh, is, is an incredibly tough task. You know, even, even the likes of Australia at the peak of their powers 
going to India to win a test, let alone a series, is, is the toughest assignment in test cricket. Um, and, and the fact that they've gone over there and and for a lot of that test, and maybe this is where the disappointment slightly comes in, for a lot of that test, they were in really a winning position. The disappointment for me comes from probably the bowling. where They had them 51 for five. Uh, they brought on Rush and Ravindra uh, when they had India on the ropes. And with all due respect to Rush and Ravindra, he's not your wicket-taking bowler. Uh, at that stage, I would have liked to have seen uh, a Jameson or a Southie or someone like that come in and, and try and put even more pressure on them. That was where the disappointment came in for me. But uh, I think maybe our expectations have just grown exponentially with this team, and maybe that's where the disappointment sets in. Yeah, I think we're entitled to let them grow um, because at the end of the day, um, Dave Worsley, we are the number one ranked team in the world. We are the world champions. We, we uh, set the bar and you don't get very often a chance to win in India. I'll say that. You, you just And you don't win well, by just uh, t- taking your foot off the pedal. That's true, but I think the point that Guy made earlier about, um, you know, coming away from India without a loss, you know, most of another test to go, is, is one of your keys. Because you would think that you always aim to win your matches at home. And we know that we've got the conditions that suit us. India have got the conditions that suit them. I mean, you know, gee, look at some of their bowlers. doesn't matter if they run in front of the umpire all the time. But, I mean, you know, you, you try or think you should be able to win at home. Uh, I, I, I agree. I agree. I, look, uh, it's, it's a great subject, actually, because uh, it sort of polarises a few people and then those people in the middle ground that are happy to take a draw every now and then. Uh, um, let's uh, look, Dave, at uh, the breakers who have been beset with COVID, uh, have asked uh, the NBL for a, a little bit of a postponement, but had it turned down. So they have to start with perhaps even out without their head coach and a couple of key players in about f- uh, 10 days' time. Now, would you think that the Sydney Kings, if they were in the same situation, would have the same result? Uh-uh. They would be, oh, please, Sydney Kings, we need Sydney to do well in basketball. Yes, whatever you want, we'll do whatever you want, whenever you want. It, that's just the way it goes. We know that Australians running the, the franchises over there, whether it's basketball, whether it's uh, uh, rugby league, whether it's um, football, will do whatever suits them for their market. Sure, we're a market of potentially 5 million people, but Sydney is big, and they have to get Sydney working, and they have to get all their other franchises working. New Zealand, yeah, what do you bring to us? Yeah, you're not going to win it this year, according to us. In fact, any year, yeah, we just do what we want. And that's it. So I just, I just believe if it was on the other foot of a big Australian team, particularly the Sydney Kings, they would change whatever they need any time. So, yeah, not unexpected. Okay, guy, would have been would have been too tough just to give them a, a, a sort of a, a stay of execution of a week and, and reschedule that match. Would have been that tough. Uh, Smithy, they've been shafted, mate. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. There's, there's no way of saying it any less. They've been absolutely shafted by the NBL. Uh, this is a season that runs for about four or five months. Uh, you cannot tell me that over that four or five months there wouldn't have been a way for the NBL to figure out a day where this game could have been replayed at a better time. We're in the middle of a global pandemic at the moment. They know that. Uh, good on them for trying to get a season in. But this stuff is going to come out throughout it. If you're going to force teams who have to sit out some of their best players throughout the season and then force them to play, uh, I just think that that undermines your competition and, and, and kind of makes it look a little bit average. I think it's a disgraceful decisional. Uh, I really feel for the breakers who once again are thrown into a, 
a, a really average position in terms of not being able to play at home. And, and a lot of that is out of anyone's hands. But everything is up against them. They get this situation again out of their hands. You can't blame anyone for getting COVID. It's just what happens. Um, you know, and, and now they're once again being put in a, a terrible situation. Uh, I think uh, this is just a, a shocking decision by the NBL, and I really feel for the breakers on, on a lot of fronts. Tend to agree. Absolutely tend to agree. Uh, fellas, stay, stay with us, please, if you can. 10.30 here. We'll take a quick news break with Trudy, and then we'll come back with a couple of other issues. Thank you. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Guy Havelt, Dave Worsley uh, with us this morning uh, as we look at a number of issues. And fellas, I jumped away from the cricket perhaps a little bit too prematurely because uh, the next test, believe it or not, starts just on this Friday. Uh, Guy, looking at the team, and and let's take away the heroics of trying to save it and saving it with the bat. Uh, In terms of a make-up to try and assumedly win the next one, what, what changes would you make even now? Yeah, it's a conundrum a little bit, Smithy. I've got to be honest, because what I expect will now happen is that uh, the Indians will will implore the groundsmen to make it very dusty and, and turn an absolute mile. Uh, so they'll want that, because that obviously plays into their hands. So then that leaves the Black Caps the question, do they stick with three spinners in the hope that it does, of course, turn, or do they go back to Neil Wagner? I think they really miss Neil Wagner in this test. I think Neil Wagner's the type of bowler who on any pitch can seemingly get anything out of it, even if it's not meant to favour uh, pace bowling. Uh, so I would be looking to bring him back in. And to be honest, uh, even though I, I thought Russian Ravindra was, was, was you know, pretty good on debut, or not too bad, at least I would have given him a pass mark, uh, I would probably take him out for, for, um, for Neil Wagner. Or, or, you, or you take out Will Somerville, who unfortunately didn't look as good with the ball either, but I do think that you probably need two full-time spinners at least, uh, you know, whatever pitch they serve up in India, because it's at least going to turn at some stage, and uh, I think you, you probably put your spinning faith in some of the logo Ravindra in that regard anyway. So, yeah, I, I suspect that they'll probably, um, well, this is what I would do, I'd probably replace uh, Ravindra with Wagner myself. OK, Dave, what about you? Yeah, I'm a little bit curious here. Just uh, if Devin Conway had have, uh, not attacked his bat, where would you have put him in the team? And who would you have dropped, firstly, on that? Because so I'm sort of thinking, well, hang on, if we had to put him in, who would have gone? And then if we bring in, uh, say, um, uh, Wagner in, and we drop Ravinda, that really uh, weakens the batting lineup a little bit, doesn't it? So we're sort of in a little bit of a quandary as to our makeup of the actual 11 who take the field as to who bats, how much depth we've got, and how many um, bowlers we've actually got as well. I'm, I'm really curious about this. I wouldn't like to be the selective and coach on this one because, you know, if Conway was available, I, I don't know who we're going to kick out. And then uh, Wagner comes in. Okay, we've said Bravinda, uh, maybe Somerville. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. The whole balance is really up in the air. I, I think, uh, ironically, had Conway been available, uh, we would not have seen Will Young. Uh, if they look for that no. same sort of balance. So, yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's an interesting one in itself. Uh, how about this one? Uh, Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi uh, wins uh, the Ballon d'Or, effectively the World Footballer of the Year, for the seventh time, uh, Dave Worsley. Yeah, he probably wouldn't have been my uh, pick on this particular occasion. Uh, he hasn't been at his peak. 
Uh, oh, I, I'm trying to think of uh, the one who's really sticking out for me. I'm, I, I don't know if I've actually really got anybody who really sticks out because all the publicity tends to go to Messi or Ronaldo. It's, it's certainly in this country overall, you know, whether you're a big footballer, football fan or not, it tends to go to those two. And we perhaps miss out on a lot of others who are doing well in other leagues, uh, perhaps uh, aside from the, the Spanish and maybe the English a little bit and the French. I mean, the, the thing that uh, I guess crowds it for me is just the amount of money that's talked before they even get on the field. It clouds my judgment on the players and makes me not so much dislike them, but I, but I don't get to see them play as much because I'm, this, this money's pushed in front of my face instead. Mm, interesting guy. Would you pick him? Was he an obvious for you? Uh, Smithy, I've got to be honest. Football uh, is not something that, that I that I really go out of my way to watch. Um, in saying that, I've just seen a lot of reaction from people uh, that Robert Lewandowski probably should have won it. So, uh, and that's coming from you know a lot of football people who who say that he was robbed and essentially say that FIFA, as Dave kind of alludes to, that FIFA is just bowing to one of its two big guns. Uh, in world football to, to try and, you know, keep them on a pedestal and that sort of thing. So uh, from what I've read, the instant reaction, it sounds like uh, Lewandowski was robbed and, and that uh, certainly Messi didn't deserve it anyway. But uh, it's no surprise, shall we say, that one of Messi or Ronaldo uh, took home the big prize in world football. Here's one for you, Guy Havelt, um, and this is along the Brandon Smith line. Okay, so just say, for instance, you work for TVNZ. Just, we'll just pluck this out of the air. You work for TVNZ. And you turn around and said, goodness me, I really want a chance. Openly, you'd said this in the public meet, uh, forum, I really want to work for TV3. I'd really like to win a couple of news journalism awards for TV3. Uh, how long do you reckon you'd keep your job at TVNZ? Well, I'd, I'd better just lay it out. Right now, Smithy, I'm, I'm more than happy in my job. I like it at TVNZ. I've got great <laughs> colleagues, got a great gig, uh, great bosses and all that sort of thing. Uh, but, yeah, man, this was, um, this was very interesting, wasn't it? What a, what a, what a strange thing to do. Uh, I know he's been eyeing up a move for a little bit, or at least certainly his contract's been up and, and his future's been up in the year and the Roosters have been touted as a club that he was going to go to. But, you know, if, if, if you're one of his... Well, you know, if you take my my example, if if, if I had a suit there and a colleague was sitting next to me, I, I'd, I'd expect them to be blowing up. And so, in that situation, I would expect his teammates to be to be rightfully pissed off at, at that sort of thing. I mean, what happens when the Melbourne Storm come up against the Roosters? Is he going to be in awe of the opposition uh, because he just, you know, he, what did he say that he gets goosebumps looking at that jersey and what it represents and how much it would mean to him to play for them? I mean. That makes it untenable, doesn't it, that he plays for the Melbourne Storm, particularly when it comes to the Roosters. Uh, I think there's a bit more to play out in this, and I, I suspect that we might not see Brandon Smith in the Melbourne Storm jersey next year. Yeah, it's 8.39 now, um, Melbourne time, Dave Worsley. I'm uh, just wondering whether uh, Craig Bellamy has calmed down yet, whether he's been on the blow, whether he sent an email, <laughs> or whether he's uh, starting to look around for another hooker. I think he's kicked a few chairs over, smashed a table up, and uh, that's just a start with I mean, Bellamy you know, doesn't mind expressing his emotion. And I think uh, if he's uh, meeting with uh, Brandon Smith in person, that could be really interesting. If it's over the phone, I think it might be thrown against the wall at least three times. Yeah, that'll be quite an interesting <laughs> one. But I mean, yeah, really well. I mean, Smith, though, just to me, though, in a serious way, he showed a lack of class. Now, class doesn't mean money. 
It means just what would you say in front of your grandma? What would you say in front of your family? What would you say in front of your kids? Swearing or saying the F word 61 times in a conversation isn't up there in class. It just shows you a complete business. And there's a lot of businessness in the NRL at the moment. In fact, every single year. And they keep on saying, we're going to come down hard. Oh, complete butter bollocks. There is complete stupidity shown by a lot of athletes around the world. And this is up there. It's not as bad as some of the violent things or sexual nations that happens in the NRL. But this just shows complete, complete lack of class. And I'm really disappointed. You know, he's now officially not a New Zealander. He can stick over in Australia and stay there because we don't want him back anymore. When people do this sort of stuff, it really does show a lack of class. And it just shows where the NRL is at at the moment. And they need to actually up it and actually say, hey, if you're signing for a club, you can't do it until midway through your season, not at the beginning of the season or before the season's even started. My goodness, we've still got another year of this. So what's he going to do? Mm. Well, speak for, uh, Melbourne Storm speak for yourself, Dave. I'm, I'm not quite ready to, to banish him to the Aussies yet. Crikey, the Kiwis need the Kiwis need him. He's bloody good. I'm not ready to give him <laughs> up to the Australians just yet. <laughs> well, you can interview him live. It was like interviewing Mark Hunt live on radio. Oh, my goodness, that was not easy. Have you ever done that? We end up having to pre-record and so we could beat out all the beeps. And there needed to be a lot of beeps. He was pretty bad, the UFC fighter. Imagine taking Bruce Smith. Oh, look, we'll just take you live to where at 6 p.m., uh, 6.30. Here we go now. Uh, Guy Havelt, uh, who have you got with it? Well, look, you know, we're going to do this live to air. Uh, yeah, right. Let's just break the lads. Yeah, and, and Guy Havelt. You, you might want to ask him, Guy Havelt, if he'd rather, rather win a world title for Australia or New Zealand. Would he rather be a kangaroo now than a well, kiwi? Oh, look, here. I'm yeah. just tongue-in-cheek. Well, it's an obvious question, though, what isn't a, it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what yeah, I really need to know from you guys, yeah, and one, uh, and one answer here, uh, it's the end of November, which means it's the end of Movember. Over the years, the best moustache you've seen in sport, Guy Havelt. Well, certainly not mine, Smithy. Uh, I've been growing mine for uh, coming up 32 years now, and uh, there's not a lot to show for it, I've got to be honest. Uh, look, probably Merv Hughes. Uh, I think Merv's, geez, he, he's, he's had a cracker for, for many a year now, and when, when it was absolutely at its pomp, uh, it was pretty hard to beat, so I've got to go Merv. Dave? Ooh, okay, one of mine is actually an American who, uh, he had the mow and he had the mullet. The big man, Randy Johnson, the pitcher. Now, the baseball oh. pitcher, check him out, Randy Johnson, Mo and Mullet. He was six foot nine as well. He just looked like trailer <laughs> trash. I don't know whether he was or not, but it was just awesome. And he could pitch, Randy Johnson, there's no doubt about that. He yeah. had a fastball. Dave Worsley, thank you very much this morning for uh, your input. Uh, Guy, have you just keep that mo going, mate. They, they say a really strong, powerful mo can, can add something like about uh, three to four centimetres to your normal height your normal stature. So you just keep working on it, son. Mate, maybe maybe in 30 years' time when we're, doing, when we're still doing this panel, Smithy, uh, I might have something to show Jeez. for it. <laughs> if I can ring you in 30 years' time, I bloody will, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. Mm. <laughs> uh, scary. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you very much indeed, Guy Havel and Dave Worsley. We're the panel this morning. A lot of fun, but some uh, great insight as well.